So, Sir Mike, we both went to see the film. We didn't see it together. We both independently saw <laughs> this year's, it's not even summer yet, this year's spring blockbuster. Yeah, this year's spring blockbuster. The end of an era. What do they, what do they even call this? Something, what do they call it? Gen 3, Gen 4? What, what, what do they call Phase it? Phase 3. Isn't the next one the official end of Phase 3? Oh, really? Okay. Wait, what's the next one? Uh, Spider-Man. Far From Home. So what we're really saying is it never ends. The money machine just keeps spewing out money. It prints money. Best <laughs> Vomiting out $100 bills. No spoilers. No spoilers, to be clear. Just commentary on how long the movie was. Yeah, and importantly... When did you take your toilet break? Yes. I did not realise this film was three hours long. I thought I was going to make it through. And 90 minutes in, I was thinking, I really need to go to the toilet. And I feel like the plot is nowhere near the end. And so I made the executive decision to just run to the toilet right then. Can you give me a non-spoilery hint as to when you ran away? No. <laughs> Other than that, it was 90 minutes in because the film started at 7pm and it was 8.30 when I went. So it was pretty much bang on 90 minutes in. Fine. Is this a thing you do? You go into a, I guess no. I guess no one goes into cinema, into a movie, knowing how long the movie is. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I think quite often you do, right? Like if I had been more prepared, I would have looked up how long it was. And then I would have been like, whoa, three hours. But I was not prepared, and I was surprised. Has there ever been movie intermissions for peas? For toilet breaks? Not since I was going to the cinema. I mean, maybe in the distant past. I was saying to April, they should, they should have been one. But that's ridiculous. No, no one would ever do that. They're not going to stop a film to let everyone go to the toilet and then shuffle back in again. Yeah, because it would just jam the toilet. I mean, you say that, I guess, but theatre does that. So maybe if your film is three hours long, you should be prepared for it. Yeah, but, you know, they're losing money for those 15 minutes. Well, no, they, they could make you uh, go and buy more popcorn. Uh, there you go. They could charge you for the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I just have some psychological problem with going to the toilet in the cinema as well, because I'm sure if I'm just sat playing like Apex Legends or something, or, you know, I was just at the office and writing some code or something. I could go three hours without having to go to the toilet. But as soon as I'm in the cinema, it feels like someone's just set like a time bomb in my bladder or something. And I'm just like, I need to go. I need to go now. It's a disaster. So even at 90 minutes in, you didn't consider, oh, I can hold out for half an hour. Since you didn't know how long it's going to be. I did not know how long it was going to be. But at 90 minutes in, I was thinking, this film feels like it's not even halfway done. Well, good. <laughs> you made the good choice. Well, to be honest, I didn't even realise it had been 90 minutes that had elapsed. It was such a roller coaster that I didn't realise the film was three hours long until afterwards. When we left the cinema, I went to get dinner and discovered everywhere was shut. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, what? How long was this film? It was very engaging. I thought it was great. I hope that doesn't count as a spoiler. 
Okay, I do have one more then. Okay. So I asked you about this app called Run P. I don't know if it's the app, but it's an app that tells you when to pee during a film. I've never heard of this app. What it's actually going to say is before the film and after the film, you big baby. <laughs> that's, yes, you could write a joke app. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm going to. There you go. That's my billion dollar idea. <laughs> so I think the the there's two ways to run it. Either you you start the app, or you know start the timer when the film starts, and it'll just buzz you when the time comes, or it'll try to give you a hint like on this scene you should go. I'm just thinking, how many films have you watched that are this long? Because, you know, if a film is 90 minutes, whatever. If a film is like two hours to two and a half hours, you're probably still okay. So, I, I mean, I guess it's like it's only 30 minutes more for three hours. But like, was Titanic a long one? Avatar? Was Avatar a long one? Oh, yeah, I think they're both quite long films. And Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah grossly distended the thing is for for most of these really long films i knew it was really long before i walked in but avengers i didn't the only other time when i've watched a film when i didn't realize how long it was was munich have you ever seen that no so like avengers three hours roller coaster excitement action feel good whatever munich was just this like really tortuous and like soul-crushing film about like terrorism and like israeli you know undercover secret agents and the cycle of violence and it was just like it was really (laughs) like hard work watching it for three hours and then i walked out the cinema and it was 1 a.m and then i was like miles from home and the tube had stopped and i was like what have i done to myself (laughs) sorry end of anecdote okay should we move on so you know when when it comes to children's TV, children's books, children's movies, there's always an element of adult subtext to these things. Something to keep the parents watching. Yeah. So I came across one of these reading one of Abby's books, and I really thought of you. Really? This is why I want to bring this up. Okay. So basically, it's just a race. It's not a very sophisticated story because Abby is 18 months old, two years old. The simple premise is, it's a race. And Hello Kitty, Tracy and Joey are having a race. Okay. And it's how they approach the race. It's like, Hello Kitty wants to run as fast as she can. Tracy is just going to run for fun. And Joey is going to run his hardest because he thinks he can win the race. And then, you know, there's this spiel about running. And then it's all about the end. And what happens is, it's a fucking tie. (laughs) What? And they all win. They all win the race. But actually, the truth is, Hello Kitty ran as fast as she could. Joey thought he could win. And Tracy just runs for fun. He's taking the piss. Yet he's managed to win. So I thought, this is, this is real life. You should run for fun and win and just take the piss. And I, that's when I thought of you. Wait, what? They didn't all win. There's, there's no more. There's no moral here. There's no moral. There's, this is not a good moral to be teaching children. And also, that's not adult subtext in a book. This is just a stupid children's story that you've re- you're reading more information into because you somehow seem to think it relates to my character. 
I feel like this is damning with faint praise. It's like, <laughs> you should take the piss and run for fun and still win. That's how it should be. We're, we're, and watch everyone else just suffer and try and bleed and sweat. You're saying like, you are so entitled that you don't even try and you still win. You're disgusting. I hate you. <laughs> Thanks, team. Thanks for the vote of confidence. What? It means you're doing it easily. I think it's the British upbringing, but that's like faintly insulting. <laughs> like, like winning without trying is like, yeah, you won, but you didn't deserve to win. You know, people who try should win. People like the underdog. You know, if you, if you win when you have like, this overwhelming advantage, then, you know, it's rude of you to even compete. You should let other people compete. I didn't know that was a perspective. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. <laughs> I thought it was right not to try and win. What? You think it's right not to try and win? You should always try. If you're going to race, you should try to win. Otherwise, it's just insulting to your competitors. But you should run for fun. You should, and still <laughs> you win. should run for fun. No, if you, if you run and give 60% and still win, then you were just being disrespectful to the people who had to run their heart out and still couldn't beat you. But running for fun and still winning, that's real winning. Working for fun, doing something you enjoy for fun is success. Oh, maybe this is too scary to say. I that's too scary to say. I get, well, mm, I guess it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective for how you view the situation. Imagine if we did this for fun and still didn't have to do anything else full time. That would be winning. <laughs> if the podcast had a million listeners and we were able to make a living from advertising mattresses during the podcast then yes oh, or so blue apron so... or squarespace or what else or audible hymns? that's hi- have hymns? you heard about what? hymns i've never heard about hymns on a podcast what's it's... this oh maybe but the podcasts i'm listening to are for men with erectile dysfunction and um need help with boldness Wait, what, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> What podcast are you listening to? <laughs> I think it's the IGN podcast. <laughs> is this is it's, this a joke product? So is it's really real? it's really interesting. You really understand the demographic of a podcast when you hear the ads. <laughs> this is intriguing. I can tell you the podcasts I'm listening to are advertising mattresses, Squarespace, and Audible. Okay. Sometimes Blue Apron. Oh, occasionally Harry's Razors. Movement watches. Oh yes, yes. I've had that too. Robin Hood? I have no idea what that is. Robin Hood uh, stock trading? Uh, no. Hover? I know Hover. I know, I know there was one for Hover. Oh, jeez. Fuck Hover. I mean, it, we are using Hover. <laughs> On the one hand, it's like, hey, this is, a, this is like damning with faint praise again. A mild endorsement. We're using Hover. We hate them. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I only hate them because they won't allow an ampersand. I suppose that's a very petty reason to to be unimpressed with their product. It's a perfectly valid character. You're not conforming to the spec. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. We're a book club for games. Are we? Are we? What is the ratio of book club to non-book club episodes? I mean, okay, but not today. <laughs> Sorry, but not today. Must be 40%.
<laughs> we're making that ratio worse at the moment because this would normally be a book club episode, but it's not. What is it today? Well, we're doing something different because, well, in my mind, it was because Ting is having another baby. Okay, technically, April's having the baby, but still. In my mind, that was the reason for not doing a book club game. In Ting's mind, it was because I was meant to be doing game dev. (laughs) Whoops. So, the book club is having a brief hiatus. Ting's going to raise another child. I'm going to do a bit of game dev. We'll pick it up again in a month or two when things have settled down. Yep, that's good. That's right. And also, confusingly, if this recording sounds different to you... It's because we're not recording in person. I can't just punch Ting to shut him up anymore. I have to just like glare at him through the webcam and hope he gets the message. So I don't have that fear anymore of you (laughs) headbutting me. (laughs) Let's be honest. I couldn't headbutt you. There was a microphone in the way. (laughs) (laughs) But before we joked that wouldn't stop you, you just, just go through it. I wouldn't want to damage the microphone. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And that's it, right? We're just going to go in-depth in about what we've been playing. And that's going to be the, the whole app. Well, actually, that's not a good way to say it. Actually, what we should say is actually we're going to talk about Babu's You, Satisfactory, Return of the Obra Din, Anthem, Apex Legends, Cultist Simulator, and then some Rapid Fire. To finish off, <laughs> you've given the game away. It's not really rapid fire. I don't think it warrants the sound effect. You could do like a half sound effect with floppy lasers, if that's possible. <laughs> this is going to result in a three-hour search through freesound.org. Just warning you. <laughs> or you can make your own. <laughs> Sorry, I just make it just giving more work to you. <laughs> okay, that's that's going to result in a six-hour attempt to synthesize a laser. No. All we're trying to say is that as we get towards the end of the list, we may have less to say about those later games. So let's start. Baba is you. Baba is you. Baba is you. Baba is you. I'm saying it too. <laughs> We're just going around in circles. <sighs> Baba is me. Well, confusingly, sometimes in the game, me is you, or Kiki is you, or not rock is not Kiki is you. I've talked about this game before. It is a block pushing puzzle game where the rules are part of the puzzle. So to give the same synopsis I gave when I mentioned it the last couple of times, normally you are Baba, who is some kind of rabbit or dog. I don't know. And you can push around 
objects and also text. So somewhere on the board it will say, Baba is you. Although, as I alluded to, it's not always Baba. Sometimes it will say something else like skull is you or key is you or whatever. But whatever is you is what you are controlling. And you can push around the text and the text constitutes the rules of that puzzle. So generally you're trying to get whatever you are onto whatever is win. But winning a puzzle is not always about pushing around the elements though, because sometimes it's about changing the rules. So a very early puzzle will say, Baba is you, wall is stop, flag is win. And the flag is completely surrounded by walls, which are stop, so you can't get to the flag. But you can just push the rules around so that it no longer says wall is stop, and then you can walk right through the wall. Or you could move things around in a different way so that it says wall is you. And now you can move the walls over the flag instead, and then you will also win. So it's a game about thinking laterally and bending the rules. It gets very, very complicated very, very fast. Actually, no, complicated is the wrong way to put it. But brain melting, all the same. So it's difficult then? Yes. The first few levels are just showing you the basic mechanics of pushing around text and, you know, X is Y. But then it starts to introduce new vocabulary. Things like not, so allowing you to negate conditions. So it will say something like, wall is not you. And then if you make wall is you, then it will just ignore that rule, for example. Or other rules like, has or on or fall or hot, open, close. Like the, it introduces more words and those words can all interact with each other in different ways. So the first few levels are on a map screen and then you start to actually like enter sub-levels. So there'll be like a little sub-world that's like a sunken temple or a forest or a mountain range and that area will itself have like another 10 levels in or something. It's quite an elegant game, though, because they try and introduce the mechanics to you slowly. So each of those subworlds will kind of showcase a new word. And often they'll give you an easy version of a puzzle. And then later on in that world, or sometimes as an extra level in that world, there'll be a harder version of the puzzle. And they're still tuning the difficulty a bit as well. So the last few patches have actually tweaked puzzles slightly or even added extra levels in to finesse the difficulty curve. To give a concrete example, there was a puzzle called Skull House that I was actually not able to solve. And in a recent patch, Skull House was actually replaced by a level called Lovely House, which I was able to solve. and. Having solved Lovely House, I was then able to comprehend what the solution to Skull House should be. So, how have you finished this? Uh, well, I have got an achievement called The End, and I have completed a level that's called Level Finale, and seen the end credits roll, 
but I don't think I've really finished it. So without going into any actual spoilers, because I feel like this is one of those games where the discovery is half of the the fun and the reward. There's more to this game. There's a surprising and unexpected amount more to the game. I mean, I suppose I've given away that there's more to the game, so... Sorry, but yeah, the map screen had unexpected depths to it. There's like layers of like meta in the game. It's madness. To be honest, even that level finale, I got to the point where I could unlock access to the level quite fast, like within an hour or two. But I remember just looking at that level and thinking, I can't see how this level is solvable. This must be some sort of joke. And then maybe I unlock something later on that makes it solvable. And then I read some like Reddit comment that made it very apparent that no, the level was solvable. I just wasn't seeing it. And then once I knew it was possible, I was able to see a solution. Though funnily enough, I don't think it's actually the intended solution, the way that I actually finished it. So you didn't check that? I have since gone and watched a guide to that level. And their solution was different to mine and more complicated, but it used all the elements of the level. Like mine just missed out half the level and just solved it regardless. They might have patched out my solution because I know they have actually changed. I did see that they had made a change to level finale. So possibly they've actually changed the level configuration to make it not possible. I haven't actually gone back and tried to do it again. So when you discovered you were f***ing the Oh no, that's the secret. I'm not sure I want to talk about that. Oh, okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. What I really want to know is, were you surprised? Were you shocked? You know, I just want to know that. I don't need to know without spoiling it. How can we say it without spoiling it? Because were you expecting it? Were you surprised? Were you, you know, I want to know if Mike was impressed. I was really surprised and extremely impressed when I found like the hidden depths to this game because you know i got level finale and i was like okay i've done it well i've got you know the achievement for finishing the game but you know i've still only completed a tiny fraction of the levels available on the world map so i'm just going to keep playing but i'm doing it for my own satisfaction and then i kind of accidentally did something in one of the levels and after i did it i was like hang on a minute does that mean I can also do duh, 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 and I did it again on a different level? And then I was like, so what happens if, and then like, like head exploding. It's like, this is amazing. This game is a work of genius. It's like peeling off the layers and finding like more and more underneath. And every time I think I'm done, it turns out I'm not done. There's another layer to it. So I'm actually just gunning for the end. Now, there's several areas on the world map where I've only done like one or two of the levels, but I don't think that's the direction the true ending is in. And I'm trying to get the true ending, but my brain is melting because it's getting very, very complicated. Well, no, it's not getting very, very complicated. It's just I'm not seeing the game in the right way. Actually, is that even true? No, I think sometimes it is just getting really complicated now as well. Do you know what the true end looks like? I have no idea what the true end looks like. How do you know there is one? I I feel like it would be a terrible disservice to not make a true ending 
if you've gone to the trouble of making all these layers. Okay. So you're how many hours in? 26. I'm 26 hours in. And you're committed. You're committed to seeing the end. I would like to, but it's actually really hard work. This is really interesting because there's a moment, I'm sure, at the beginning we thought this game is not worth hassle. It's not worth it. Well, uh, (laughs) early on, I was just tearing through the levels. I was like, this is trivial. This is fun. And it's like, you know, like word games or something, you know, but this is easy. And I was just like tearing through the levels. And then for the first time, I hit a wall. Like I was suddenly like slammed straight into a level where I was like, not only am I not able to solve it, I cannot even see how it could possibly be solvable. Like, it's not that I can see what you would have to do to win and I just have to figure out how to do that. Like, I literally cannot see a way that it's possible to win this level. And as the levels have got more and more difficult, that just happens more and more often. To the extent now that most levels, you go into them for the first time and you just think, I have no idea how I can even solve this level with what I've been given. So the first like 30 minutes is literally just going through every different permutation in your mind of all the different words on the level to try and see if some combination of words would allow the level to be solvable and then trying to figure out how to make that configuration of words. At least that is my current angle of attack. And it works. Well, I mean, I haven't finished yet. And it's taken me 26 hours to get this far. But you're not giving up. Well, I don't know. I hope not. I would like to see... I've put 26 hours into it. I'd like to see the end. Closing comment? I think it's worth trying. I think it's a really unique game. I don't think there's anything else quite like it at the moment. It's a very... Yeah, it's a very interesting puzzle game. Again, it's the sort of puzzle game where it feels like it might be quite interesting to write. Like, as coders, could we have written this puzzle game? But surely it's the design of the levels, which is the hard bit. The design of the levels is the part that's really, really hard, yes. But making that base rules engine to allow other people to make levels, that's probably something that would have been within our wheelhouse as devs. And it's not a very graphically heavy game. Yeah. We should move on. You've been playing this a lot, I feel. You've been playing Satisfactory? Satisfactory. We have a WhatsApp group now called Satisfaction Guaranteed, and the icon is the flying spaghetti monster. Mostly because all our factories just devolve into giant piles of spaghetti. It's complicated. You're building complicated machines. Oh, jeez. Do you know what I noticed today? 
because wait wait I, we should do we should do one liner just to introduce satisfactory satisfactory is a game about building a factory i think if i had to describe it in one sentence it's a game about building a factory but then when i tell people that they say but what's the factory building and then i'm just like stuff and then they go and why are you building it for and i'm like satisfaction <laughs> like just because because there's always more stuff to build right there is an ultimate item you need to craft is that right well actually no that's the problem there isn't right now <laughs> so the game is an early access it's exclusive to the epic game store there are currently six tech tiers i think in the final final game there's going to be 10 or more but currently tech tiers like zero to six are available in early access and we have actually already unlocked all of those tech tiers funnily enough as well most of those tech tiers were not unlocked by us building a factory because it was actually easier just to build all the bits by hand (laughs) So a lot of the time we were just gunning for like the next tech tier and it was like, oh, we need to build 50 of these. It's like, okay, fine. I'll just build 50. You know, <laughs> So I feel like we kind of did it wrong to a certain extent, but nevertheless, building a factory is actually really fun. So it's kind of like Factorio if it was in 3D. It's first person. First person 3D, correct. It's kind of like the modded minecraft with all of the industrial mods if the graphics were beautiful like it looks really good you're just dumped in the wilderness with your fix-it multi-tool you build the hub and then you kind of upgrade it to get access to better and better technology and then ultimately build a space elevator that lets you ship products back home and again as a reward for that, they give you higher like tier blueprints to allow you to build more and more stuff. So yeah, it starts out quite simple. Go and manually hit some resource nodes to get some iron ore, then smelt that iron ore into iron ingots, then turn those iron ingots into iron plates and iron rods and screws, and then use those to build a portable mining device that you can just throw on the resource node and then go back periodically to collect a stack of 100 ore and then use that ore to build a power station, use that ore to build a big automated miner that you can connect up by conveyor belts to an automated smelter and so on. And then it just escalates from there. So the save file actually has 91 hours on it now. 91 hours. I haven't been present for most of those, fortunately, because we've actually just been passing the save file back and forth. But you've built many iterations yeah, we've we've had several total rebuilds of the factory. So there was the first factory, which is when we were all playing together. And each of us just had a little area of our own. Most of us tried to build in a reasonably structured way. One of us just decided to dump all his machines on the grass like an animal and just like made random loopy conveyor belts that just didn't have any kind of structure to them at all. And I felt sick. He was creating art. Disgusting. I was not impressed. The worst thing is we had three iron resource nodes and he just used two of them for this like garbage, noodly, random 
stack of machines on the grass that didn't connect to each other properly and were outputting like one metal plate every few minutes or something because they were so backed up. So were you integrating all your bits? So did you have to interact with this feral... (laughs) (laughs) Our our colleagues slash enemies. (laughs) Yeah, so the first day we played it, our original plan was that we would each take a resource each or at least a resource node each. So to begin with, one guy was doing iron, I took the limestone, the other guy took the copper. And then we realized this wasn't going to work because nearly everything was built out of iron and the guy who took the iron was just not good at building in a structured manner. So then we just started having to share the resources a bit, but building different areas where we would put down our machines. Then there was a total rebuild of the factory because we realized we needed more space. What's the vision for the rebuild? Well, the initial rebuild was just, let's try and fix this spaghetti. So we cleaned up all the machines that were on the grass. Cleaned up means demolish? Demolished, that's right. We reclaimed the resources from them and it was like they were never there. (laughs) Then we built foundations and then we built multiple floors. And then we tried to do something more structured. So smelt ingots on one floor and then send them up the other floor to be processed and then send them up to another floor to like do more complex processing and so on. So it was much better than our first iteration, but it was still very difficult to actually route all the conveyor belts and we were all still just tripping over each other. So this is when one of the guys we're playing with literally just spent a week rebuilding the entire factory he actually doesn't work. So I think he literally just spent an entire week playing Satisfactory and someone sent him like a sketch that they drew on a piece of paper and they just WhatsApped him a photo saying, oh, this is my vision for the factory. It it should be like a Big Mac. Like we should have like machines at the top and machines at the bottom and then the middle layer can just be a horrible floor full of conveyor belts, like wiring to like join them all up and we can hide that so you don't have to see it. You still have to maintain it though. (laughs) Well, That was the concept for the rebuild of the factory. And so this guy spent an entire week just demolishing the whole factory and rebuilding the whole thing with this new design. And we logged in again on the weekend and it actually looked really good. It actually looks pretty cool, but it's really impractical because like the middle layer is just this weird spiraling mess of conveyor belts again. So any changes and the whole thing immediately just devolves into spaghetti. Anyway, whatever, that's the past. We've since had multiple iterations again. So the Big Mac factory has now been rechristened IFC slash Space Hong Kong. And it is the only factory that actually really produces anything. All of our actual high-tech machinery comes out of that factory, even though it is a spaghetti fest. Rechristened, but it's the same. You've just... You've not done anything with it, really. You've just relabeled it. Well, I've not done anything with it because it's no longer my factory. I've just like washed my hands of it. This is Roger's factory now. He's just been building more floors on it, building random platforms on it. And I think he's just said, oh, this is my like altar to Cthulhu. It just builds supercomputers. And it's like this stack of conveyor belts that all just like vomit out supercomputers in this weird tentacly mess. So... It is actually kind of beautiful in its own way because there's just so many conveyor belts and they just spiral all over the place. 
and it's very effective. It's actually the only thing really building stuff. And then my factory is now called Space China. Why? So I think because Roger originally called his factory the Big Mac and then IFC. And then I said, I need more space. I'm just going to go somewhere else and find some new resource nodes and build a really big, wide factory. You know, I, I need to go somewhere. I have more space. And he's like, oh, right. So you're leaving Hong Kong and you're going to China. And I was like, yes, that's right. I'm going to space China. So I tried to build a completely different factory on completely different principles that was going to be really beautiful and structured and not have any of this spaghetti mess. And the vision was going to be that the factory would have like a main bus for resources so that in the middle of the factory, or at least accessible from everywhere in the factory, would be this kind of loop of stacked conveyors. And each loop would contain a particular material. So like one loop would just have metal plates pumped onto it and anything that needed metal plates could pull them off this main loop. And another loop would have metal rods and anything that needed rods could just pull them off this main loop. So the idea was that you'd have this main kind of bus and all the machines in the factory would either be putting things onto the bus or pulling things off the bus. But it's not generic bus. like Well, no, because you can't actually just have a generic bus. You had to have stacked loops. You had to have an individual conveyor belt for each material. Yeah. So I built this crazy factory and then I discovered it doesn't work. <laughs> it's a short answer. So the problem is I got totally screwed by screws because even the best conveyor belt we have access to can only move 450 items per minute. And a lot of the machines require hundreds of screws per minute. So you literally can't put screws onto the bus and take them off the bus fast enough because the capacity of the conveyor belts is not enough to deal with the fact that they have to deal with hundreds of screws. So like most other things, it's fine because they're like 15 per minute or 30 per minute. But for some unfathomable reason, actually probably mostly to stop you doing builds like this, yeah, screws just totally screw you over. So whatever, it's a failure. It looks nice though. So my factory is this like beautiful shining edifice with like this big like stack of conveyors in the middle and all the machines nicely laid out with perfect angles. Doesn't produce anything. It just sits there and does nothing. But has it been declared a failure? Does everyone know or you just still uh, await? <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still working on it. It's just it's just a running joke now that my factory is like a work of art. Like it doesn't actually do anything. It's like, oh yeah, the machines are unpowered. They don't actually do anything. They're just there to look nice. So yeah, the factory actually looks quite pretty. You can stand on this cliff and like look down over the factory and you can see all the beautifully arranged machines. But yeah, it produces only a tiny fraction of what Roger's spaghetti factory does. I think eventually I will hook up the last few bits and then the whole thing will just be perfectly balanced and work. But the problem is oh, that there are just so many problems to do with like the way the conveyor belts interact and because I'm really trying really hard to make everything line up perfectly. So I've ended up having to stack the conveyor belt so high for this bus that to put anything on or take anything off the bus is like half an hour's work to like spiral a conveyor belt up like six stories. So I just can't be bothered, really. I mostly just go and steal things from Roger's factory. 
Okay. We're really just waiting for the next patch when they add the next few tech tiers. It's a great game, though. It's really fun. Is it complicated enough? Is it as complicated as the Minecraft mod that you were playing where you could spend weekends and you still couldn't complete the challenge journal? Short answer, please. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, it is. It's still early access to. It's going to get more complicated and it's going to get better, but it's already actually a really fun game. Okay. So next up. Return of the Oberdin. I've been wanting to play this one for a while. I really liked Papers, Please. And this is the next game by that same guy, Lucas Pope. I bought it. I completely forgot to actually play it. And then on the Monday of the like long Easter weekend, at 11pm, I saw a Reddit post that said, you know, PSA, Return of the Everdeen, don't start this game on a Sunday night. And so I started playing it at 11pm on a Monday night, you know, when I had to go to work the next day. I don't understand. So you read this post on Monday night, but you also decided to... I read this post saying, don't start this game on a Sunday night because it's like really engaging. And once you start, you won't be able to stop. And then I was like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to play the Everdeen. Well, technically it's a Monday, not a Sunday. So I'm going to just play it bad idea i don't think this is the first time you've made this mistake it's not i knew very little about this game before i started playing it and again there will be no spoilers in this description but it was a very unique and entertaining game so i have finished it it took me about 10 hours i foolishly actually finished it after watching avengers endgame I got back home at like 10 something and then just started playing it and then finished it at three in the morning. Not my smartest move. So what happened that Monday night? When did you finish? I think I played about two hours the first day, five hours the second, and then finished it up on the third at the cost of having no sleep. What's funny is I was having to describe it to people at work and I was saying, what is you know what is the game in a nutshell you are an insurance inspector and you are trying to assess what the payout should be for a ghost ship that's quite concise that's that's what the game is yeah do you know about it yeah i do yeah okay so you know what mechanically the game is about yes without having played it i do but i can get things wrong that, well, I'm sure there's details which I'm not familiar with. I mean, there's mechanically how the game actually plays. So you've got this weird two-color, you know, one-bit aesthetic. So the whole game is just like monochrome. You're wandering around this 
ship and you have a journal where you can you know make notes and a pocket watch that lets you see the moment of death if you find a corpse and you have to piece together what happened on this ship so the more interesting thing is like how does it feel to play the game and the things it reminded me most of are her story surprisingly despite the fact mechanically it's totally different and phoenix wright it kind of feels like a more serious and like grown up phoenix wright do you have to solve it in order is an order to how you solve it it will tell you when it thinks you should be able to solve someone's fate so in the book there's like a crew manifest you can see all the names and there are some paintings of moments on the ship so you can see everybody's faces but when you are in a memory of someone's like death when you look at their portrait it may be blurry and that is done to indicate that you don't yet have enough information to identify who that person is and what their fate was so it does kind of hint to you when you should have enough information to be able to solve a person's you know fate i mean having said that i think you can make educated guesses and you know there are times when the game doesn't think you have enough information but you kind of do but only if you use some like second order knowledge like from knowledge from outside the game like oh i can tell from this guy's accent he's meant to be welsh or something but they don't assume that you're going to know, you know, UK regional accents. So they don't make that part of the rules. In fact, having said that, my, my favourite comment, of course, is I feel like the accents were not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it is hard to do accents in a really convincing way. And just, they weren't, it's not like they were terrible. It's not like they were terrible. They were actually, on the whole, pretty good. Well, I don't know. I think you can do... I think, I think your accents are quite fine. My accents are quite fine. What uh, accents am I doing? Actually, accents are a really funny thing. I think my accent has changed as well since moving to Hong Kong. Or either that, or maybe everyone can't tell accents apart properly. Like, I've had several people ask me if I'm from Sydney. And I'm like, no, I'm from the UK. And they're like, oh, you don't really sound like you're from the UK. And I was like, wait, what? Do I not? You don't have a very sunny accent. I can tell you. <laughs> That's for sure. I don't have a very white accent? Sunny. Sunny? What does yeah. that even mean? I feel like more upbeat. You you know, like an American accent is very... You say, you're saying I sound like Eeyore. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm more Eeyore than Tigger. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's, that's a fact. Probably so. Anyway. What else can I say about Oberdin? I can't really say anything else without spoiling it in some way. So what's a, what's cool about it? The fact that it's things can be done out of order, that you're piecing things together. The piecing things together is the only thing that really matters, right? Like the reason it reminds me of her story is because you just get all this information. You just like here's all this information, here's the ship go and find stuff out on the ship, figure it out yourself. Like, you know, 
But presumably, what happened on the ship is also interesting. Well, that's the thing, and in the same way, you know, with her story, where it was like you watch a certain video and you're like, "What?" You know, this recontextualizes everything. It's like that. You will be on the ship, and you'll see events happen, and then at some point, you'll discover some corpse or get access to some body that lets you see some memory, and then suddenly you're like, "Wait, what?" Like, what the hell happened on this ship? You know, and then it's a mad roller coaster. And there's all sorts of subtle clues. You know, some people, it's really obvious who they are, or it's really obvious what happened to them. Other people, you have to work for it. And when you figure it out, you feel like a genius. Or you can do what I did and realize it's 2.30 a.m. and you have work the next day and just be like, well, I know these three names go with these three people but I don't know which way around they go, so I'm just going to brute force it, which I'm slightly ashamed of, but I did it. Sorry. You're, working, you're playing smart. I'm playing smart. I, I'm just, I'm only cheating myself. I'm the, only, the only one who's losing here is me. So, <sighs> Yeah, it's really good. I would recommend it, even though it looks bizarre and sounds ridiculous, but it was very interesting to play. Well, so far, you've succeeded in playing more indie games. Well, that was the goal, right? That was the plan. The plan was also to do some game dev, which is not going quite so well, but... You did some. You did some. I did some. We can talk about that another day. Yes. This one's one for you. Anthem. I'm glad that you guys failed to convince me to buy this. I'm glad you didn't buy it because it'll be another black mark against me. I think I predicted that this game was going to be a disappointing mess. And I was completely right, it sounds like. Sorry, I don't mean to sound so smug. Well, I'm still playing it, so it's not that bad. I've made a point to get to max pilot level and I don't, you know, there are enough trophies to keep me interested along the way. Well, what's interesting is I think everyone knows what Anthem is about, so I don't need to talk about that. But it's... Well, actually, I don't really know what it's about. It's just, it's a looter shooter and you can fly. That's pretty much it, yeah. And the plot doesn't make sense because they had to rewrite it. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. But they still want you to do it anyway to get something points. Yeah, you can get loyalty points for the three factions. And you just pick up points for having a conversation which doesn't... Which seems, just seems to slow you down. Because you make choices, but those choices don't mean anything. And so your, your hub world... You know in Destiny, you have an instance hub world where you have 16 people running around with you. Well, 16 of you in total. But in anthem there's only one of you because you have to interact with the npcs so in the fort you're the only player in there 
So is this effectively a single player game then for you? Like when do you ever see other players? When you're running the missions, it'll match make you. Oh, it'll match make you. Okay. But it's got to a stage where the population has has dwindled, so you end up soloing them now. Oh, that's sad. Poor Anthem. It's pretty sad and it's got to a stage where no one knows. Are they gonna support it? Would you support it? You know, are they gonna dial down the the resourcing on this one or are they really working behind the scenes to get it back into shape? Oh man. They've, I mean, they've had this is the second stinker in a row, right? Because Andromeda was a disappointment, yeah, and now this. But you know what's gone? There was that article, right, where they said Bioware's development methodology was basically let's just wing it and we'll crunch it at the end, and because we're all super geniuses, it'll just work out okay if we put enough effort in. And now they've had two games in a row where basically that just hasn't worked out. No. In both cases, it sounds like they didn't have someone to make the call and they just left it open to the very end and they left the decision open till it was too late. And then they just thought, oh, we'll, we'll apply this Bioware magic and it will all work out. But it didn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess applying some magic, I, I, I don't know. I guess games are just too complicated and too expensive now for you to be able to get away with doing that. Like you just literally can't change your mind and get all the voice actors back in all the mocap people back in to just redo a whole bunch of scenes like you literally can't do that it's like oh i've just figured out what we should have done it's like great it's too late now you just got to work with what you got i'm speaking from a position of absolutely no experience in this so when i hear stories like this the more i appreciate like hideo kojima how he has this crazy vision but because he knows what it is he's pulling in that direction throughout the development cycle even if the development cycle is extended. Yeah, I I think that's what I was saying about interesting versus boring games. Like, you know, Blizzard are really nailing it in delivery, but there isn't that singular vision. I don't know. To be honest, I'm trying to make a point here that doesn't need to be made. It's irrelevant. Something's gone wrong at Bioware. Anthem has gone wrong. It's really sad. I kind of was hoping that I'd be proven wrong and it would be this amazing but the, game, but it sounds like it really isn't. But they may change it, right? I don't actually know the full story behind Final Fantasy fourteen and why that recovered. It recovered because they literally just took another year to rewrite it. More than a year, I think. It, they, they took a really long time to pretty much rewrite it. They had the same art assets, but everything else was just like completely redone and it's a really good game now like i played final fantasy 14 after the realm reborn re-release it was really good apart from the fact that they're just offensively blocking hong kong because they think we're all gold farmers like you actually can't play it from hong kong without a vpn really even if you're paying they won't let you pay they actually won't let you pay they say we've detected your ip is from like a blocked region and they won't let you pay as an outsider, what's, your, what's the outsider's view? Do you think they'll recover it? Anthem? Yeah. I don't know. Because well, like, it's like, what's the incentive to recover it? I don't know. I think so much of it is going to be in this article. Did we, when did, did we link that article last time? 
There was this article about what went wrong with Anthem. I feel like it had a lot of the same problems as, as Destiny. And at the same time, internally, you know, that article was saying that they weren't allowed to mention Destiny, which seems crazy. Yep. Right. They had this textbook example of an overly ambitious MMO story looter shooter that on initial release was kind of mechanically fun, but bigger picture wise, a total disaster, you know. People enjoyed standing and shooting into a cave for hours more than they enjoyed actually playing the story, right? Like, the loot cave was the most popular thing to do. And, like, I did it too, and I enjoyed the loot cave more than playing the actual game properly, right? Something's gone wrong when that happens. And yet, they didn't learn from it. They went and made exactly the same mistakes, and they weren't internally allowed to talk about Destiny. So, what are they going to do? Is there room for another destiny in the market? Well, there kind of already is one. There's the division, right? Like, what what are they going to do? I don't know. It's going to take a lot of money. Do they have the will to fight? Or are they just going to have to sweep it under the rug again? Yeah. That was an answer. That was not an answer. I, I have no answer for you. It depends whether their shareholders decide, I guess, that they want to take the punt. It's a strange one to me. I, I don't really see it as being one of their strong points, if you ask me. But again, what do I know? You know, I'm not an expert. Fine. This is just sad hearing this as a as a, an owner of Anthem. We can move on. I just wanted to bring up a couple of experiences I had with Apex. Are you still playing this? We haven't played it for about a month because satisfactory. I think like you already know about what's going on with China. The China, I, I don't know if the servers are based in China, but the China players and the players that play on the server. Yeah, Apex Legends has the same problems that PUBG had, but times a thousand because it's a free-to-play game and oh man the cheaters are out of control i mentioned my experience with cheaters the other day but i didn't mention another thing that's happening that you've also experienced now where certainly on pc you get match made with randoms and one of the randoms in your team just as soon as the lobby opens, just start screaming at you a pre-recorded message in Mandarin advertising a cheat. <laughs> I, I've, I've never had that. Not the... Have you not, not, have you not had that? Not the audio cell, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I didn't realise. I thought you'd had this too. So I literally... I was playing with a friend, but we didn't have a third player. And so it just match made a third person into our party. And that third person was a bot. 
And that bot just immediately shout, just started shouting like, <laughs> actually, I can't do it because I can't speak Mandarin. Sure. But imagine, imagine this is Chinese, right? And, and it was just shouting, hi, I have a cheat for you. Buy cheats from me. My cheat's really good. Headshot, 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 headshot. Like, it was just ridiculous. It was really loud. And it went on for, like, a minute. And then as soon as the game actually started and we jumped out the ship, they just disconnected. But, like, did you find that the whole, like, all 60 players, like, half of them were bots? Or Well, I have observed that sometimes like half the server just seems to die in a few minutes. And maybe it's actually not that they're dying, but that just their bots disconnecting. Because sometimes you, you literally see like the player count just plummet right near the start of the game. And I'd assumed that it was just a really epic firefight and everyone had decided to go to artillery or something. But in hindsight, maybe it's just because half the server is actually bots in those games. And if I'm playing solo and my two teammates are bots, I'm going to disconnect as well. So I played one game experienced this but then i you know i kept playing again and then when you when i did come across another human player there's the option to select you know play with last guy or play with last squad i think they have been trying to do stuff to fix this problem because you know as i said i actually haven't played it for a few weeks now because a we've been playing satisfactory and b we had this weird experience of bots and cheaters so I think in the past few weeks, yes, they've added some features to say, like, stay as a squad. So if you find people you're playing with and you like it, you can stay together, even if you've got match made, which is good. I think they added penalties to people who quit. So if you quit in the middle of a match, then you can't actually start a new game straight away. And I think that is obviously to discourage people just quitting and also maybe will help with the bot problem a bit although i suppose they might just have thousands and thousands of accounts so maybe it's irrelevant but so you move servers right yeah i mean there isn't an official like server browser but there's a trick so if you wait at the title screen for a minute and then choose accessibility and cancel out of it it will actually let you choose data center so we were trying to play on the japan server because it had better average ping for all of us because one of us is in the us and slightly fewer cheaters but still some cheaters okay i did have one last thing apex Legends supports chroma the razor flashing light business so it pulses red on the load screen which i thought was quite neat i don't really see the point of it but i like it you know, it's nice to have your expensive purchase justified sometimes, even if the reason <laughs> is really like irrelevant is it, or minor. Is this your keyboard? Yeah. Your keyboard's pulsing. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was like backlight or something. Like, as in, I I used to have, I don't know if you remember these, an Ambilight TV. Do you remember this? Like yes. Philips Ambilight. So in the days before TVs were like as big as your freaking wall, like I... I can't believe how even if they may still be expensive, but like relatively affordable an enormous TV is these days. But in the days when even a 24 inch LCD TV was expensive, you got these like Ambilight TVs that they kind of would like project behind the TV light that was the same color as 
the TV screen to kind of like give the feeling of a bigger TV and make it more immersive. And I had one of those and I thought it was really cool. So when you mentioned the chroma, I thought it was that. I thought it was actually like the monitor, like blast light out behind it. Or all your stuff is synced with that to like light up the whole room. But it's just the keyboard. And mouse. Okay. Yeah. No, still neat. I haven't really embraced ludicrous RGB mods for everything. I mean, maybe I should just accept it at this point and get some. I'm probably overdue for a refresh of a lot of my hardware. Because my monitors are like, they're probably like six years old. Keyboard? All my stuff is probably about five, six years old. The mouse is quite new. The mouse is, yeah, the mouse is new. The mouse is like a couple of years. Let's move on. Alter simulator. Yeah. This is a weird one. I bought this game because it looked really weird. No, that's not quite true. I bought this game because one of the writers slash designers is the original writer for Sunless Sea and I think Fallen London. So a podcast I listened to called Final Games actually interviewed the two people behind the company that makes Culture Simulator. And after listening to that episode, I thought, that sounds really interesting, actually. I should give it a go. So I bought it and I tried it and it's bizarre. It's bizarre both story-wise and mechanically. Actually, story-wise, I think I'm only just scratching the surface. And mechanically, it took me it took me a long time to even figure out what I was even trying to do. It's a very inscrutable and mysterious game. If I was like a kid and it was the only game I had on my PC, it would probably be really interesting in this like weird journey, and I'd have to keep some like journal about like the game. As it is. I'm an adult, I have limited time to play, and I also have the internet, so there's no secrets anymore, sadly. But this is the sort of game that would have been really interesting if you had it pre-internet days and you were like, I don't know, a teenager. How many times did you play through it? I've never finished it. So I played multiple games of it, but all of them ended with me dying. So it's a card game, right? I mean, the thing is, like, to try and explain how you have to play the game, it's a card game. You choose your origin, and that kind of determines your starting cards. It's not a card game like you have, you know, a deck and you get dealt some cards. You literally have cards that are placed out on this, like, game mat, and... Some cards represent your health, some cards represent your intellect, 
some cards represent like your passion or something and then you'll also have cards that represent your job and then there are kind of areas on the mat that you can move them around but you kind of put cards into them so one of them represents you know your your job and so you put a job card into that and that represents you going to work and that starts a timer and when the timer is exhausted you can then like flip over the card and see what the result of that day's work was which is usually some money and so on and so it's a game of like discovering more of these things that can take a card and juggling these timers that are a result of you feeding cards into these things and it starts out quite mundane like you have a job in an accountancy firm or you're like a low-ranking inspector in the police or something or maybe you're an artist and you paint i don't know but then you slowly discover like the mysteries of the unseen world and you like can go to a bookshop and you can buy books and you can read the books or long story short you end up having to found a cult and then you have to go on expeditions to try and become immortal or something i don't even really know i got to the point where i was able to have like a stable character like the character had good health and i knew how to improve my health and i had money and you had to get more money and i could improve my intellect and i could start to like buff my stats and then i could buy books and i could found a cult and then i managed to open like the inner eye or something like i managed to get into the unseen world and that opened up a completely different kind of interface where i was able to start like getting these secrets that were obviously leading me towards like the path to ascension or something but it, it was really complicated and i had to start doing rituals and i didn't understand what any of the rituals were or any of the mechanics behind that were so like i think it's a really complicated game it's really unapproachably difficult nine hours in i felt like i was only just about starting to understand how to play it and you've dropped it i've dropped it <laughs> sorry I, I don't have time for this <laughs> i've got a factory to build okay yeah it was interesting but the amount of time and effort i was having to put into it were not worth what i was getting out like you know for nine hours in this if you've got 10 hours to play an interesting indie game play return of the Oberdin. yeah for example you know but i gave it a good shot it was interesting but i've shelved it for now finally we'll quickly go over a few does this even warrant a section name? You just really want rapid fire? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay, okay, fine. Rapid fire it is. So Tetris 99. I kind of said most of what I needed to say about this in like the post chat of a previous episode, which is I played it. I liked it. I decided I needed to get better at Tetris because I realized that I was not good enough at Tetris to win. And so I went down this rabbit hole of looking up Tetris like strategy. And I realized that Tetris is a way more like structured and analyzed game than I realized. Like I thought Tetris was just put the blocks where they fit. But 
No, there are actually lots of very standardized Tetris strategies that people follow. And indeed, surprisingly, standard Tetris openers. So when you just look at the first few pieces you get, you can decide, oh, I can perform a DT Cannon opener or I can perform an Albatross opener. You know, like there are certain set openers that you can do. So I went down this rabbit hole. I learned to do all these things. To be honest, the only one that was really important was T-spinning. And then in the end, yeah, I think a lot of this stuff has probably made me a better Tetris player on one-on-one Tetris, but it doesn't actually really help that much for Tetris 99. I think for Tetris 99, you mostly just need to be able to play fast and yeah, mixing in some T-spins actually is quite beneficial. But a lot of the more technical stuff, like doing a DT Cannon opener, turns out not to be helpful because you're going to send the garbage as a result just to one of those 98 other people and it's not like a one-on-one fight like when you do that did it help you did it help them did it help one of the other 98 players like who knows it's just like tears and rain i don't know it's only helpful if you know who's the strongest yeah opponent yeah so in the end what tends to matter more in tetris 99 it feels are effects that come from like amplifying the garbage because either you're being targeted by loads of people or you're targeting someone that's being targeted by loads of people and so if you stack up to very near the top so everyone starts attacking you even if you clear one line it'll send like six lines of garbage to everyone so you just have to get to the point where everyone's targeting you and then go bang 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 and make a lot of individual lines and you'll just like take out loads of people or conversely you might be playing and target someone because they're close to death, but they're actually doing it to bait you and immediately you just get slammed with like 20 lines of garbage. So... What? Yeah, because they were they were deliberately playing near the top of the playfield to try and encourage everyone to target them because they know if a lot of people target them, it will amplify the garbage that they send out. So... Yeah, it's a funny game... It's still fun. I haven't actually played it that much recently. And I won twice in the first couple of weeks after it came out. I've actually yet to win since then, but I haven't been playing it anywhere near as much. But you're speculating that it's because everyone is getting better or only those. I think everyone is getting better too. Yeah. Only the people who really care about Tetris 99 now are still playing it, I think. Whereas before, there was lots of riffraff and we were all figuring out how to play. And now, it's just like a load of sharks who are left. And you're like, oh, I'm going to try some Tetris 99. Just get torn to pieces. Next. Next up, GTA 4. I bought this on PC. I just wanted to say, when it comes to playing old games, you should not think twice about getting it on PC if the alternative is a console. I can't believe I read so many comments on Reddit saying, this game is poorly optimized. It's not worth getting on PC, get it on console. But PCs are monstrously powerful now. It just makes no sense to get it on a console where it's going to be run at sub 720p. What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it may be poorly optimized, but, you know, like, bam, RTX on. (laughs) Well, obviously not literally RTX on, but, you know, throw a 2080 at it or something. 
doesn't really matter. And this thing has Xbox. You was using Windows Live, or what the hell was it? Games, games for Windows Live, which is now Xbox Live. So I now I'm, I'm getting Xbox achievements with this game, which is really bizarro. Did did they fix this? Because at one point I heard that GTA Four wouldn't work on Windows Ten, and it just was like busted because because it needed games for Windows Live to work. And it had all this weird Windows 7 specific stuff. Like you literally couldn't play it on a modern PC. So is that fixed now? It must be if you're playing it. I think so. I just have to run the Xbox Live app in the background. It's always running in the background anyway, I think. Windows 10 will do that to you. Yes, I'm glad. Actually, yeah, I'm impressed. GTA 4, 1080p. Is it good? Yeah, I've I've played it before. I had it on on the PlayStation. I just never finished it. I've never played it. So rather than pick it up again on the console, I've started again. It's worth it. There are no load times. All I know is that you go bowling a lot <laughs> with your cousin. You don't. Whether you like it or not. I don't know how much, that, how much of that is true, because I thought you just don't have to pick up those calls, but we shall see. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I got an SSD for my PlayStation 4. And as a result, I've been playing some more RDR2 because it has less painful loading screens. Is it helpful? Like, did it actually improve things a lot? Or did it improve things a bit? A bit. Only because you're sensitive to it. Actually, if I think about it, if you're using the suspend mode, you don't have this problem. The fact I'm playing Anthem is, you know, is another reason that Anthem is cursing me. (laughs) (laughs) The fact I'm playing Anthem means I have to, I can't use suspend mode for RDR2. Right. I'm just curious because an SSD in a PC is enormously faster. Like, I have PUBG installed on an SSD, and I have the PUBG test server installed on an actual old-school hard disk. And we played a game on the test server a few weeks back, and I was like, oh, I think my machine's crashed. You know, it's stuck on the loading screen. I've been here for like more than a minute. But no, it's just, that's actually how long the game takes to load from a traditional hard disk. And on the SSD, you're literally talking like five to 10 seconds, you know, but hard disk, you're talking one to two minutes. Like the disparity is enormous and it's not that fast on a PS4, right? Even if you put the SSD in, it's nowhere near that fast. No, it's like maybe 20 to 30% reduction in time. We're not saying 10 times faster. It's the complete opposite because you just saturate the the bus. The bus doesn't can't handle that transfer rate. Oh well. It's okay. I it's what I expected. So I'm not, you know, there were, there's no disappointment there. It's to, exact it's exactly what I expected. I'm just surprised how much cheaper SSDs have got. Like a 1 terabyte SSD is like well, it's like a thousand Hong Kong dollars. So that's like a hundred pounds or a bit more than a hundred USD, right? But that's crazy cheap compared to just even a few years ago. I was actually thinking I should just buy like a multi terabyte SSD for my PC, like another one, because I'm running out of space. I should probably just delete some stuff. <laughs> actually, yeah. you know what? I deleted Fortnite the other day. I deleted Fortnite. That freed up like 40 gigs. 
that was good. That's that's the only reason I'm still running. <laughs> but forty gigs isn't that bad. Isn't RDR two like a hundred or something? Yeah, my PS4 is just a wreck. It's got, it's got my PS4 has RDR two and Final Fantasy fifteen on it, and I don't know when I'm going to play either one. I mostly actually use my PS4 for watching Netflix now, which is actually kind of bad. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. And YouTube as Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. Facebook. <laughs> you can give us a like. We haven't posted any content on there. You can like our ads though. It's really weird that you can like our ads. So Michael, what are you grateful for? I am grateful that the thing I've been working on for like a year at work finally, finally has gone live. Seriously, like a year. A year's not a long time. I guess not. <laughs> it, feels it feels like a long, like time. A long time. It feels like a long time. So Michael says bye. Bye bye.